0: This time, on episode 359 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk Daredevil, season 3, episode 13, A New Napkin. We talk weekly Marvel news, and we talk your feedback. I'm Josh Liston from On The Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom, part of the Gunner Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at Gunnageeknetwork.com.
1: You have been granted clearance by Director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing.
2: All information to
1: be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance
0: by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm producer of the show,
1: SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Thursday, January 14th, 2021. Live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios, And broadcast Hell's Kitchen wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Dress Up Your Pet Day.
0: Oh, it's a day that my cat will hate. (laughs) I'm not a big
2: dress your pet in an outfit that they obviously don't like. You can just tell. Some of them are just, you know, they have that look on their face of like,
0: I thought you loved me. (laughs) I'm not like, oh, my cat has a different sweater for every day of the week. But he does have a little bee costume. I did crochet him a little dragon costume. Both of those were for Halloween. And he has a dapper little bow tie that he can wear on special occasions.
1: That's pretty cool. So Men in Black Cat had the uh, the necklace with the world on it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that could be a costume.
0: I mean, technically, yeah. Yeah. Your cat could be cosplaying that cat.
1: Right. Now, if I'm going to dress up a pet, it's going to be with sunglasses or a hat or something like that, which, you know, dogs and cats, they don't like anything on their heads.
0: My sister does couples Halloween costumes with her German shepherd. He seems fine with it. They were Batman and Robin a couple of years ago.
1: Some dogs get really cold. Even in the summer, but in the winter, they get really cold. So they don't line oh, yeah. sweaters. So you could dress them up that way.
2: Oh my goodness. I had to get booties for my dog and I put them on, and she did that weird, like, I can't feel my feet walk. <laughs>
0: it was. I love that walk.
2: I had to because otherwise her paws were sticking to the ice because
1: it was just so cold. Mm hmm. So there are actual benefits to dressing up your pet.
0: Yeah, there can be. I have an interest in greyhounds, and I know that they always tell you if you have a sighthound because they have so little fat on their body, you have to make sure that they are bundled up in the winter, that they have a cooling vest in the summer, and they have little dog booties to protect them from when it gets too hot or too cold.
1: So if Captain America... And his his wife, which we know who that is after Endgame, right? If they had a pet. Bucky Barnes. <laughs> I was trying to pick somebody that you wouldn't pick another superhero or whatever to go with it. But okay, we can go with that. Uh, and with that failure of me, we're going <laughs> to get on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes.
0: Because of Freezer burn. Oh, no. If you would like to talk to us about Freezer Burn, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave
2: us a voicemail, 844 the bus one That's 844-843-2871.
0: You can find us on Facebook at Legends of Shield Podcast. We're on Twitter at Legends of Shield. You can see our lovely faces on YouTube at youtube.com slash geek. You could tell your Amazon
2: device to enable Legends of Shield skill. You can join our Discord server at com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of Shield is a proud member of the gunageek.com network.
1: I think that we can call Michelle's intro into this the Because of a real burn of oh. the Because of. I, I had to through I had to do it.
0: I mean.
2: Just like I had to do it. I'm just like, I have it. Sometimes you just gotta. I have a
1: network announcement to make on the Bubble podcast, is returning to the getageek.com network for season two. And if my Twitter sphere is correct, he's actually going to talk to one of the co creators of Dark Matter about the very candid reaction of the cancellation that occurred.
0: Ooh, I am looking forward to that. And I also know it's going to make me mad. I don't like it when shows I like are canceled.
1: That's what All in the Bubble is about. It's about exactly. cancellations, but it's also about the shows that have succeeded in the last season or so. So I imagine that it will be a fun season. I was on season one. Maybe you will be on season two. We don't know.
0: I think I provided a voice for something in season one. I think you did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, Michelle could be on there, too. Michelle could talk all about Arrow. I think that would be a lovely thing. Michelle talking about the CW Arrowverse.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I could do that.
1: Okay. So, Josh, there's your hint. So, with that, we're going to get on to our episode of our canceled show, Daredevil. Daredevil season three, episode 13, the final episode of Daredevil, which kicked off the Defenders universe on Netflix, was published to Netflix on October 19th, 2018. This is less than three years later that we're getting to the finale. So I call that a win for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. The episode was titled A New
0: Napkin. Lauren, please run down the creative team of this episode. All right. We are starting off with the director, Sam Miller. Who has 37 directing credits starting in 1994, including four of The Bill, two of Hotel Babylon, two of Walking Dead, two of Black Sails, ten of Luther, one of Luke Cage, one of Daredevil, two of Snowpiercer, and twelve of I May Destroy You. These are all fantastic shows, so I highly recommend checking them out.
1: Indeed. Michelle, who wrote this episode?
2: This episode was written by Eric Olson, has 14 writing credits starting in 2002, including one episode of Andromeda, two of The Agency, three Chase, three Unforgettable, four episodes of Arrow, three of The Man in the High Castle, three Daredevil, one Carnival Row.
1: And as we've said all along, the final showrunner for Daredevil was Eric Olson and the other showrunners for season one was Steven Estenite. And season two was Doug Petrie and Marco Ramirez. And all these people, the director, the writer, the showrunners, they're all involved in a lot of good TV. So I'm not surprised that in general, we were at least entertained with Daredevil season three. Indeed. So the title of the episode is a new napkin. I'm going to say that what happened here is Foggy had to go to his deli, his family deli, and he was eating a sandwich and it just had too much mayo on it and oil and it just fell everywhere and he just needed to go get a new napkin. That's what the title of this episode's about, right?
0: I'm going to say that at the very end, Wilson Fisk's face is a bit of a mess and they need to get a new napkin to wipe it all off.
2: Or it could be referring to the scene of the three of them at the table and Foggy actually saying a thing that I need a napkin and he's putting on there Nelson, Murdoch and page.
1: Yeah, I, you know, just to jump to the end right there, I think that was a good call by Foggy and Matt because... I think they're right. I think Karen is a more stable investigator than Jessica Jones. I think, I think, I think we could go with that. But
0: I mean, that doesn't take a lot, though. <laughs> I love Jessica Jones, but girl needs therapy.
1: We're gonna see in season three in just a couple of months. But Michelle, let's just jump on to one of the things that you had going on with this episode at the very end. She is gonna. Quit her job at the newspaper and go work for a broke law firm.
2: How? I mean, I'm still trying to figure out. This is this is. Yeah, I remember watching Friends and going. First off, even though I I lived in the middle of Indiana, nowhere. I'm like going, okay. I know not all of New York is white, so I don't understand why all of New York is white. And the other big mystery was how in the heck could they even afford those apartments, especially Chandler. Supporting like why even have a roommate never paid anything? And this is back in the 90s. Manhattan, the whole area, Manhattan, Queens, the Bronx is so expensive. How is Karen able to pay Matt's bills? Pay for her apartment, which is not all that great. So she's paying the rent of a better apartment than her own. And then she gets fired from her job. And then she's going to work for a broke law firm. I know she got some settlement money, but you have to understand, you know, earning $80,000 and living in Manhattan or San Francisco, it doesn't go very far. It's almost, you know, barely making it as opposed to, you know, $80,000 in Indiana, you know, it's all relative. So I'm sorry, but she's definitely gone through that settlement money. How on earth is she affording this lifestyle? I don't. Why was it Foggy paying Matt's bills? Foggy could have paid Matt's bills. That would have made more sense instead of Karen. I just, how is Karen
0: eating? I'm going to guess blackmail.
1: <laughs> well, you brought up friends. So I'm just going to bring up the two words and friends that they used at the very end, I believe. Rent control. So maybe that's how the friends were able to afford it. Now, I can't say about Karen here. Yeah, blackmail could have been it. I mean, she's very good at what she does. She might have done a favor, too. You never know. Yeah. But since she's writing about things, maybe blackmail. The other thing that I was thinking about, though, with Karen is she might have gotten some prize money with the awards that she got to supplement her income and be able to do it through prize money.
0: That's not really that much, though. It depends.
1: It could be. It might not. I don't know. And then, you know, she might have bought like, I don't know. Tesla at five and sold it at six hundred fifty. You don't. you never know.
0: I like to imagine that everybody sleeps on it and then everybody wakes up in the morning like, what were we thinking? And Foggy stays at his stable, well-paying job. Karen goes out to job hunt, finds, you know, maybe she and Jessica join up and start their own joint P.I. business. You actually I looked this up for a fanfic a while back in the state of New York. You can actually apprentice for two years under a licensed private investigator. And that is one way to get your license. And Matt, I don't know.
1: I don't know what Matt does. Remember, he said he got a really good deal on it because, you know, it was right next to the train and stuff like that. So the cost of it might not be that much, but I would think maybe taxes and utilities would be pretty high in a big place like that especially at the salary cuz he wasn't really making his salary
0: so lately i've been looking a lot at real estate and the cost of houses and on going on various advice forums and things like that i see people being like okay well i'm spending a million dollars on basically a closet in manhattan so i feel like When it comes to any show, there's always that stretch of imagination that you have to go with. So I guess if I can accept that Matt has super-powered echolocation skills, and Jessica Jones has super-strength, and Luke Cage has unbreakable skin, and Danny literally punched a dragon... I guess I can accept they can afford those apartments. But yeah, I was gritting my teeth every time.
1: Another thing that the series did is they robbed us. You know why they robbed us? They robbed us because we did not get to see a Foggy and Marcy wedding. I was not expecting a Foggy and
0: Marcy wedding. I actually really liked how they handled that. We had a couple episodes Foggy. You know, having just survived something traumatizing proposing to Marcy. And she's like, whoa, we need to come at this with clear heads. And now that things have settled, they've both realized, hey, we're not quite ready for this commitment yet. But they're still, you know, it's not a big blow-up fight or disaster. It's just two people in a relationship having a mature conversation about where in life they are and what their expectations are. And I don't think you see that enough in media.
1: Yeah, I did enjoy that part of it, but they brought it up. So now I'm expecting it. I'm expecting the marriage between Marcy and Foggy or, or them breaking up one of the two. And of course, we're not going to get it because, well, the show's canceled. Although, maybe, maybe not. We will talk about that a little bit later, some more information there. Something that happened throughout the season, of course, is Agent, Special Agent Ray Nadim. Uh, I liked how the series kind of started and ultimately ended with him. I mean, kind of ended with Daredevil, but at least he was in the finale episode. And I, I enjoyed how they had him still around for the finale episode because he was so pivotal in the series, even though he was already dead. And he came back in the form of a video. Now, we saw him recording the videos before. And I thought that was, I think that was well done from the writer's standpoint because it was his way of saying goodbye to his family and then he died. But then we see the true reason behind the video. I, I thought that was a nice touch. Now we'll talk about the video and what it meant and stuff like that. But I think from a writer's standpoint, up to that point, I think that was well done and a surprise, basically, because I was not expecting to see Ray Nadeem, his confession or anything.
0: I expected to see his confession. I figured that was at least part of the suicide video he was doing. But I did not actually realize the stuff about, I forget the legal term Foggy used. I watched the episode last night and then I did not sleep all night because I am smart.
1: It's called A Dying Declaration, by the way.
0: That's the one. And about how it's, I guess, admissible in certain kinds of court. It's Again, Nadim was never a dumb character. He was just somebody who had bad circumstances and made a lot of bad decisions. But that really, really raised him up, kind of in my eyes and my esteem, the fact that he would, in his lowest moment think of doing that.
1: But Michelle, there's other aspects to this video and there's other possible legal aspects to this video. none of us are lawyers. We're not going to get into the dining declaration, but we are going to get into the video. So Michelle, what's your take on the video?
2: Okay. I have problems with this episode and I feel like SP is slowly getting them out of me. I like that Ray Nadine went out on his own terms. That's basically what he did. I don't understand. Like, they went into his house to plant evidence, to make sure, to make him look bad. How come they didn't find his phone? I understand that perhaps he could have sent a copy of it to his wife. But then I don't understand how come they didn't claim it was fake. How come they didn't, like, know about it? I just, I don't get it. There's a lot of things about this episode that bothers me. This is one of them, because here we had this whole, they cover all these bases about how to plant evidence and make people look bad. How did that video even get out? Fisk had made Daredevil the devil. How come he didn't try to say this is fake? This is part of Daredevil's thing. He knows all these tech, you know, we can prove that it's fake by creating something that's fake to prove that the real thing is fake. Like, I just.
0: I'm going to stop right there before I get into other things. I actually have a couple of answers for that. First of all, deep fakes as we know them, like they've been around manipulated video. It's been around for a while. I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now since about nineteen ninety seven. But deep fakes as we know them, as, you know, you see the like Mr. Bean's face on Anne Hathaway's body, that sort of thing. Or like Nicolas Cage's face on, I don't know, every character in Lord of the Rings. That particular app and technology that is being used for that, the more widely available stuff, wasn't really a thing until about 2017 the term deep fake was actually first coined on reddit in 2017 and there are ways to tell if even a really good deep fake is faked there's artifacting there's flicker somebody who is trained could very easily find that it's sort of like somebody who knows photography and photo manipulation can tell when something is photoshopped In response to how the video got out there, I liked that, okay, when you're first watching, you get the feeling like, oh, he recorded it on his phone he kept it with him. He sent it to his wife. There's this kind of internet adage of the internet is forever. So once it's out there, even if he, you know, wiped his phone and everything, the copy is out there. It's kind of like the ring at this point. She can send it to Matt's phone. Matt can send it to Karen's phone. Karen can send it to Ellison's phone. Ellison can send it to all these people. So I did like that. I did like that whole kind of dissemination of, you know, information. This is kind of how you see a bunch of there's been a bunch of whistleblower stuff in the past. I don't know, 10 years. And a lot of it is done by that. I send it to someone who sends it to someone who sends it to someone.
1: The interesting thing about the video dissemination to me was just how it was written in. Yes, I agree. The FBI probably would have seen it on the phone. I don't know if they would have been able in the time frame to send the phone to a cyber place to get it unlocked and to get the video off of it. I don't know if they had enough time to do that before the wedding, but they're having the wedding. and then the video is disseminated to everybody that's there at the reception and they all bring out their cell phones. And and one idiot is watching it horizontally, even though it was made vertical. What a monster. Come on. If you're going to watch the video, watch it correctly.
0: Yeah. With regards to how much time it would take to go through the phone. We all this happened really recently. We all remember the Las Vegas shooter, the dragging on of Apple didn't want to put a back door into his phone because that would set precedent. The FBI kept urging them. I don't remember what happened with that because so much stuff has happened that my brain has just shorted out. But even if the FBI is like, we want this done because of technology laws and because of proprietary laws, that's not a guarantee that they can do it, especially if it's his personal phone and not his business phone.
1: The other thing that I want to say about the video, it it did bring back Mrs. Nadim or Seema into the story and the whole thing with her relationship with Ray. I talked about it before. I didn't like the way that ended. I do like how it ended with her character because she was scared out of her mind, but she was doing what she was doing for Ray and for Sam, their son. She was doing that all because it was the only way out but she took an amazing risk and she did it. And I just want to applaud the character for going ahead and doing it. Of course, it's all writing and everything. Right. But I did enjoy that where she was in the lion's den and she was, had the presence of mind, by the way, how difficult is it it to speak and write at the same time? And that's what she was doing. She wasn't writing when foggy was talking. She was writing when she was talking. I'm like, That is some multitasking that I would have trouble with, especially under those extreme circumstances. So that was just a very powerful scene to me.
2: And it was plausible for asking about insurance. There are circumstances where insurance can be denied. So for her to go in and go, oh, he was so awful and I need to make sure my son's taken care of and the whole pension insurance
0: thing. I thought that was a really good cover. It really was. We all know dealing insurance with insurance is a pain. Again, because I hang out on the internet too much, I have seen various discussions about various politicians who did very drastic acts to make sure that their family would get their life insurance and their pension. With regards to her talking and writing at the same time, I can't do that. My, whatever I'm saying leaks onto my pencil. And it reminded me a lot. There's a really famous video of a, a POW during the Vietnam War. And they brought him out so he could be like, oh, yeah, no, America's garbage. The Vietnamese are treating me great. But he's blinking the whole time and he's blinking out the Morse code torture. First of all, I don't know Morse code. Second of all, Again, how do you? You're basically talking in two languages at once. It's astounding, and the fact that again, Semo was able to do that and good penmanship. Yeah, it was. I was very impressed.
1: So even though I had trouble, like Michelle did, with the video and and the plausibility and and uh, is it going to stand up in court and all that stuff, I did like the way it was written into the story. It kind of countermanded the two things, but I know this was made in twenty seventeen uh It came out in twenty eighteen this is twenty twenty one now and deep fakes weren't as prevalent as they could have been in the election in twenty twenty, but it's coming, and I think I can give the writers a pass. It was right at the cusp, right at the cusp, but I often go off the edge on certain things and and uh you know this just wasn't the thing that I was going off the edge on.
0: Yeah, look, we all have our things. You've heard me ranting about, you know, genetics.
1: Right. I mean, we got some genetics to talk later on, by the way. But before we get there, there's a lot of other stuff to unpack, like the wedding. Fisk has this wedding, and he's been planning it for a very long time. It's a very elegant wedding. As somebody who's in the midst of on the peripheral of a planning of a family wedding right now, it's not my wedding, so I'm not going to say I'm planning the wedding, but I'm very much a part. Of the wedding planning because my daughter's getting married later on this year, the wedding was a good wedding. I mean, it was very elegant. It was a, a nice set. Basically, they were on the rooftop. They had a nice reception in one of the hotel ballrooms afterwards. You know, I think the wedding was good. Of course, Fisk's mind was not. He didn't want to say I do. His his mind and his body were like, what What am I doing here? We talked about his hesitancy in the past episode. I think it's going to come to haunt him if these characters go any further, which we don't know if they are or not. But yeah, I I did enjoy the wedding. How do you ladies like the wedding? Is it a wedding that, aside from the criminality of it, did you enjoy it?
2: It was a good day for a white wedding. Mm -hmm. I like the simplicity of it. I do not understand 500 people getting together to watch a five-minute ceremony where, you know, a woman or some, you know, whoever walks down the aisle and then it's blah, 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 I do. I do. And that's it. Like, I don't, I liked how it was just a few people, a couple dozen or something, they go in. He had that speech with Vanessa before about how he felt like he didn't deserve it and i think that was the hesitancy about the i do that whole cuz i know what this is like that whole you don't feel great about yourself and you are afraid of saying i actually deserve this now in this case he's a cold-blooded murderer and everything like that but you know he did beforehand see that flash of his 12-year-old self with blood covered that's obviously when he killed his dad and he was in that space of Do I deserve
0: this? Because he is on that cusp of, quote unquote, having it all. I also took that away from it. That whole freezing at the altar thing. I was terrified I was going to do that when I got married, just because sometimes my brain shorts out. And it's really funny, Michelle, that you mentioned like the, the huge wedding. I had what could be considered... A small wedding for a mexican family it was big by everyone else's standards i but i have like 14 first cousins and then there's like the the sixth cousins that have to be invited and yeah i i am so glad to be done with i i didn't know how to plan a wedding i never pictured myself getting married and then also my aunts were the ones who took it over so I would guess that Fisk hired a uh, a planner. Uh he has the money and why be stressed when you can pay someone else to be stressed for you. That said yes, it was very understated. There's a um a certain type of wealth thing where it's the thing looks very simple but it's rich. It's rich as hell. And it very much had that feeling. Vanessa's dress was beautiful. It could have been a really beautiful ceremony if it wasn't for the fact that they have ordered a lot of people killed.
1: I did like in the reception afterwards, of course, and beforehand, you had all these criminals getting together and Fisk didn't tell everybody why they were coming. He just said, yeah, you're coming. And so they come for this event. They didn't know it was the wedding. You know, when Fisk calls you go, you don't have a choice. Otherwise you end up dead. So they're there. And it was interesting that those were the people that fists felt most important to him because those were the people there. And then at the reception, of course, uh, Rosalie Carbone, She's probably the most notable of all the criminals because she's been intertwined in several of the series already. And you don't have some of the other hand criminals around anymore. Anyway, it was interesting at the reception she has her little, I guess, flirting moment, whatever, with him or flattering moment, one of the two, whatever you want to say. But afterwards, she sees the video and she's like, "I'm getting out of here." But I I don't think it was just self-preservation. I think she had coffee on her mind. If you go back and look at the scene, of course I'm referencing Luke Cage and Coffee. Of course. If you go back and look at the scene, uh, it, it was her bodyguard, but you just kind of got the, well, weddings
0: can... Weddings put some people in the mood, I mean.
1: yeah, That's my head, Kenan, anyway. She was going to get coffee after the reception.
0: I definitely think that it's uh, self-preservation. You don't get to be as big of a criminal for as long as we've seen her without some self-preservation instincts. So, Yeah. I think she saw that video. She knows immediately. Well, it's going to be the end for Fisk really soon. I'm out.
1: So, Michelle, even before the ceremony, we see the mindset of the criminals in New York. And, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind when I'm a criminal mastermind is when I have people killed is I want them all grouped together. And I want them grouped (laughs) together in a freezer. I mean, it it makes sense to me. Give it to me. Michelle. Does it make sense to you?
2: (laughs) No, it doesn't. Okay. I really feel like I'm I'm just going to go and I'm going to talk about other things as well because it all has to do with Felix. I feel like we missed an episode because, look, i am just put this in a nutshell. To me, this finale was not earned because we start off with Daredevil somehow having Felix Manning. It was clearly established that Felix Manning, you know, we had that scene with Karen and he's all like, I know all about you. And it's like, he's like this super villain agent. Fisk, you know, was like, no, Felix has to live. He protected Vanessa for two years. He's this ultimate super agent of evil. He just needs a cat. And for him to one, get caught by Daredevil. And then two, for some reason... For some reason, instead of, I mean, Walter White was a high school chemistry teacher and he knew how to dispose of bodies. I'm a biology teacher. I know how to dispose of bodies. And for him just to keep around all that evidence, and that's what it was keeping bodies in a freezer, that's just evidence. It's just why, why would he keep all this evidence? How did he even get caught? What on earth? Like, it's just all of a sudden, Felix got stupid. And for all the excellent writing we had for 12 episodes, it's like all of a sudden, I don't know somebody hit delete or they just were like, oh, we're going to hand wave episode. Oh, we thought we had 14 episodes, but we don't. We only have 13. Oh, oops. We couldn't count. Let's just hand wave how we got Felix, this uber henchman, the new Wesley, the whatever. He was super smart, super evil. No. What? And he gave up so easily? I mean, it's Daredevil. He knows he's not going to get killed by Daredevil. What? What?
0: No. Okay. Ah, There you go. I agree with you on so much of that. First of all, when Daredevil had Felix Manning, I was like, did I miss something? I mean, I know it's late. I know I'm watching it at, you know, a little bit sped up, but... Did I miss something? Did I doze off during a scene? And when Daredevil found those bodies in the freezer, look, the concept of dumping grounds is a real thing for organized crime, for serial killers. I used to live right near the Texas killing field, which three bodies were found there over the span of like five years back in the 70s and 80s. Look up the Allentown. I forget if there's a name for it, but it was a bunch of bodies encased in barrels and like dissolved. And those bodies were actually like, well, except for the the Texas Killing Fields one, they were just thrown out there, and it was really terrible. But most of the time, when you hear about these like organized crime attempts at taking care of bodies, they're in barrels. They're in cement. I lived by the border. I heard stories of the people who were dissolved in acid and put in oil barrels all the time. And they just left them in a freezer. And I know it's convenient for plot reasons, but like, it's not like it, I'm putting off taking a package to the post office. It's that is a dead body. That's evidence. That is, ah, uh, I. I did. I liked so much about this episode, but that did kind of like my eyes started twitching.
1: Another thing that I liked about the episode was the final fight. It wasn't the stereotypical daredevil single camera fight throughout the whole thing. It was obviously cut camera. It was separate shots and that sort of thing. But here's why I liked it. It was brutal. It was pure power. It was No finesse whatsoever. I mean, there I I guess there were a few moves, but basically it was three guys slugging it out three different ways. And I think given the tension and the fighting that had happened over the course of the season, it might have actually not been enough. But at this point, we just need to get it over with. And there was still stuff that they needed to do afterwards. So the fight couldn't have lasted a whole episode. And it was confined to Fist's apartment. And they did use the stairs. They did use the balcony. They did use the kitchen. They used the entirety of the apartment. Uh, It's not apartment, penthouse. And they even used the the fireplace to basically break uh, Dex's back. I thought that was kind of trite. But it was pure power where... Fisk was stopping Dex because Dex wanted to kill Vanessa and amongst anything else that was Fisk's number one priority was to protect Vanessa and it was also Matt's priority because he didn't want anybody getting killed but I think only Fisk could have stopped Dex. Now, the one problem I had with this fight was that when Fisk was being pushed back into the kitchen, Dex was throwing... Was it chandelier shards or was it knives? He was throwing stuff and he was missing. He hit everybody square on the nose every single other time, all 13 episodes. In this one case, he can't hit Fisk worth a darn. I'm like, really? It was a little bit too far for me.
0: I have some stuff, unsurprisingly, I have stuff to say about Dex in this episode. We see him basically snap. When he finds Julie's body, like he's driving around talking to her body. Again, ask me about the people I could tell you who did stuff like that. It's, yeah, people are wacky. But that is why, you know, we see him wanting to kill Vanessa. It's, oh, you took something important to me. I'm going to take something important to you. The way that I have been able after the fact to explain him missing away to myself is that, again, he's snapped. He's out of it. I think we were supposed to take the fact that he doesn't have the presence of mind to actually aim. I think that's supposed to give us some insight into him. I think it came off, like Michelle said, it came off a little lazy. I also felt really bad for him in the beginning. Matt comes up and tells him about everything. And I was really getting the impression that Matt, like, again, it's Dex is not a great guy, but he's also a victim. And right here, Matt is using him. He's manipulating him just like Fisk. And yeah, he regrets it later, but still, it's been really hard for me to feel sympathetic for Matt for so much of this season. That kind of solidified it. Yeah, that's a, uh,
2: that is something else. You know, I, I just don't want to take everything. I really did not like it when Matt did that. He was being like Fisk. He was allowing, it's like, Matt, you're not willing to kill Fisk yourself. You're not willing to get your hands dirty. You're not willing to do a lot of this leg work. You're just going to take the leash from Fisk and grab it yourself and have Dex basically plow an opening. It's almost like those huge snow plows that come in and then you have like the the cars that are like, oh, okay, I could drive on the road now. It just kind of felt like that, and I'm just like, you know if Matt died, I would not have been upset. I'm just like foggy and mahoney, they better live like those are the ones it was like they they better live and and Karen and Karen, but
0: that pissed me off as well when it came to Matt. We've talked about it before. This season they've they've really hammered in the whole Matt and Fisk are basically dark mirrors of each other. But again, he does this thing and then all of a sudden it was shortcut. It should have been if he'd done that last episode and then had a, you know, we actually spend some time with him where he realizes, oh no. I have become everything that I hate. And then he goes after him. That would have felt a little more earned. But right here, it was like, okay, I'm sending him out. Oh, no, I immediately regret this decision.
1: I had interesting thoughts about that whole thing. And the real thing that hit home to me is when Dex drove up in the Suburban with Julie, the frozen Julie, in the passenger seat. And then he left her there because what's he going to do, drag her? All the way up to the penthouse, which I think he should have if he's going to take her that far. But then he pummels poor Agent Lim, and I don't think that was necessary. But Lim should have known better than to try to take him on at that point in time. I think it, getting back to the fight, there's two other things I want to talk about. I think one, fist gave up too easily. I know he was hurt, and I know his adrenaline was probably running out because he was bleeding out. He he did get cut in the abdomen area. But Fisk is supposed to be this powerful guy that has able to power through such things before in fights. Limited time, yeah. But I think he almost gave up a little bit too easy. My mind went back to the the fights that they had in prison before, not this season, but previous season. And I just think Fisk had a little bit more in him than he did. And then, of course, uh, if you remember Fisk's apartment from the first season, The table, as heavy as it was, it didn't make it. Well, this was obviously a replacement table, and it didn't make it either.
0: I did like the whole, you know, Rabbit in a Snowstorm, that painting has been a thing since basically the first episode of the series. And we see him staining that painting with his own blood. I thought that was very interesting. However, again, yes, I think he gave up too easily. There is a thing. Okay. I, I love going to tvtropes.com. only go there. If you have plenty of free time, cause you will go down rabbit holes, but there's this one trope there called the wharf. And it's because in star Trek, next generation, you can tell when a character is tough because they beat up Klingon wharf and, You know, he goes down like a punk every time. Here, I feel like Dex was the wharf. We are supposed to think, oh, Fisk took down this guy and it was brutal and it was. But then Daredevil like has him on the ground and it again, it feels unearned. I know that, again, it's Fisk willing to put Vanessa ahead of everyone. But again, it just it felt it felt rushed and it felt messy.
1: That's Daredevil in a nutshell. Rushed and messy. I have two other things I want to bring up before we close this up. One is Mrs. Shelby is now free because she's, like, oh, you came back. And what can you do? Uh, what, what do you need me to do or whatever? And he's like, uh, stop the elevators because that'll prevent law enforcement from getting to us and I can take care of things. So I think Mrs. Shelby, since she you know is used to full control of the building and stuff, I think she has a hot career ahead of her as the head of automation in an amusement park. So I think she's good there. I think she's a clear winner out of this whole thing. Another thing that I want to bring up is bullseye. At the very end, we see Dex on the operating table and he is having his spine operated on, clearly becoming the superhero bullseye. And then he opens up his eyes, which would be terrific in that situation, by the way. He opens up his eyes and he's got the bullseye. In his eyes. I don't know how that's made some serum or something that's going through his system, but he is now bullseye.
0: I've gone through two spinal surgeries and numerous spinal injections. I would not want to be awake during spinal surgery. So that made me wince.
1: (laughs) Just wince? That's the only thing?
0: It it was late. I was tired. Okay.
1: All right. So this basically ends daredevil for us this is the, what started the whole netflix defenders universe it didn't end as grandiose as it began mainly for the fighting and all the intrigue and the hand behind everything and you're just left with bullseye fisk and daredevil fighting you have the trio that go off to create their own law firm as we discussed you have daredevil perching At the end. And um, I think this is kind of a fitting ending. I I had concerns about the Luke Cage end. I don't have the same concerns of this. I mean, I would have wanted more. I would have wanted a better ending. I don't know if we would have gotten a better ending if they said, okay, this is your third and final season. If they would have wrote something better. But it was entertaining. I'm glad I watched it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Michelle, I'll let you go first.
2: This was an unearned ending. There wasn't even an in-depth conversation between Matt and his mom. All of a sudden, he just comes up to her and it's like, I forgive you because we only see the backside of the tapestry. We don't see the good side that God does or whatever. At least with Luke Cage, we had an ending. Like we could tell like a lot of the loose threads were already tied up the Luke Cage season. Two, we can understand that like a lot of doors closed, but one big one opened up. For this, it's like, what did Matt even learn? Matt got away with so much. He was a jerk. If this was not a clean podcast, there would be other words in there. But jerk is the only one I can use. I liked the ending of Fluke Cage
0: more than I liked the ending of this.
1: Okay. Lauren, you can get the final word.
0: It wasn't Game of Thrones season eight bad. I think this possibly was the weakest season. I was going to say season two, but then I was thinking more about it. I'm like, oh, but Electra. And it was actually setting up defenders. Here there was so much that I liked in the series. And you've heard about me like gushing about it while we've been talking, but again, it's I have a problem when shows don't stick the landing and I don't think this one did. I liked all of the other characters more than I liked Matt this season. We know I love Karen. In fact, I have like five pages open of Karen page, Frank castle fanfic right now. And foggy, like I said, I feel like he really came into his own this season and Fisk. For the most part, was very interesting. I really liked what they did with Dex. But I feel like they were rushing up to tie up loose ends. And the last episode was poorer for it.
1: All right. So that is it for Daredevil. In just a few days, we'll be recording our episode on WandaVision, and just a few hours after we record this, WandaVision is going to premiere at 12 midnight, I believe, Pacific time, so it's like uh, 11 hours from now or something, a little less than 11 hours after we record this, and we are going to take that series a week at a time, because that's how it's going to air. The first week is going to be two episodes, so we're going to take that in one podcast. And then after that, we're going to go really quick through Punisher more on that later. But WandaVision is the next thing that we have coming. And I can't wait because this is now back to the MCU. And we've been waiting for this for more than a year. Back to the MCU. We have not had any movies because of the pandemic. We had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. finale. But you could argue whether that was part of the MCU or not at the end And so now we get Vision, which was clearly and stated by Kevin Feige and the rest of the Disney and Marvel to be part of the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that is what we will be covering next week. In the meantime, we have at least one news item to run through real quick and then we'll get on out of here.
2: We have some possible news about Daredevil in the MCU. Yeah, so,
0: you know, topical with what we're talking about. A couple days ago, Kevin Feige was speaking to Collider and was asked about whether or not there's any truth to the rumor that Charlie Cox is going to be in Spider-Man 3, if they're going to be bringing more of the Defenders, like bringing them back into the fold. I like the tweet that I saw that said he basically just stared for 70 seconds in silence. But what Feige is quoted as saying is, I look at anything that's happened before, whether it's our movies, whether it's Marvel Entertainment TV series in particular, obviously the comics, video games, cartoons, all of it is available as an inspiration for the future of Marvel. That's the way the comics have worked for many years. So we'll see. Which is not a no.
1: No, he's dragged his feet a couple of times before, but I mean, there's contracting involved. And he's got this whole X Men thing that he's got to bring into the universe as well. So he's got his hands full, although I'm pretty sure he's had brainstorming sessions. I mean, what else are you supposed to do when you're isolated?
2: Uh, get assigned a Star Wars movie?
0: Yeah, there's that.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. He was assigned one, but I haven't heard any other news on it. It's like it's a stalled production. I think Star Wars. It downshifted quite a bit as they regrouped, and Star Wars needed to get together and have a Lucasfilm, what whatever they call that division. Is it Star Wars or or is it called Lucasfilm, part of Disney?
0: I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember if the Star Wars story group was because I know we had the Marvel story group, and that's gone. And there is something similar with Star Wars, especially now that every all of the Star Wars stuff that's been produced since the the sequels is canon. There's no more, you know, S-level, C-level, F-level canon like there was 10 years ago. It's just all canon. And I think Marvel is trying to move that way. With both of them, we're seeing they're putting a lot into streaming series we're getting you know like four or five of uh, mcu series six maybe i don't know i can't count and we're getting a whole bunch of star wars series i think people are realizing you can tell these stories you you have time to breathe you have time to develop things and people are going to come back week after week you don't have the you know Movies are number one at the box office for 10 weeks in a row, like you did back in 1999. Now it's it's number one for one week, two weeks if you're lucky, then the next blockbuster's out. I think it's probably a lot cheaper to do the streaming series. It's sort of a, I think, possibly developmental place for them to incubate talent in terms of writers and directors. and. So far, what we've seen, you know, The Mandalorian and all of those have been really, really well regarded. The reviews that I've seen come out of the first like three episodes of WandaVision have been glowing. And as somebody who likes it when stories have a chance to stretch and breathe and give me more of that world and everything, I'm very excited. But uh, yeah, I guess, you know, we'll see. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a lot.
1: So there was another story that occurred in the past week. It was Kevin Feige coming out and confirming that Deadpool 3, A, was going to happen, B, was going to be part of the MCU, and C, was going to be rated R. I think all of this is great because to do Deadpool 1 and 2 at R and then do 3 not at R... Just because it was created outside of the Disney umbrella and then they bring it in just because Disney likes PG-13 and and that's it for family-friendly stuff. I think that would have been a mistake. So I'm glad they're finding a way to do it at Rated R. I'm glad they're finding a way to do it with the original team, basically, the, the actors. And I'm glad they're able to bring it into the MCU. I think that is all great. And I can't wait to actually watch the movie, which probably won't come out until what, 2022 or 2023 at this point.
0: Their schedule is so full. Michelle, I think we also had one more story that's basically just a rumor. Something about Chris Evans possibly coming back
2: as Captain America, at least for like one film and then open for three. I don't know. That just came up before we started to record. I don't know if that is true or not, but I heard it from a variety of sources. Different websites have it up, not just one random in the corner one.
0: Yeah. yeah. We also have Chris Evans's Twitter account saying news to me. But then again, Tatiana Maslany lied about not being She-Hulk. So we can't trust anybody. Remember those Marvel
2: snipers. They got those drones. So going to get you.
1: You know what I heard when I, when I read the tweet of news to me, I heard hmm, there was a leak. It didn't come from my team. This is Chris Evans in his head. It didn't come from my team. Huh? Uh, now the public expects me to come back. They're really excited for me to come back. Um, I need a little bit more enticement. I need more more money. Matter of fact, I need all of your money, Disney. I need all, just give me all of the money. Otherwise I'm not going to do this. So that's what I heard. Give me the
2: Robert Downey Jr. Deal. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. We'll see. Well, so an exciting time now in 2021, we've got some things to look forward to and yeah. So we will see everybody in a couple of days in the meantime. We're going to do the Daredevil perch. I mean, the Batman perch. I mean, the Spider-Man perch. I mean, no. Yeah. we're going to do the Daredevil perch since it's a Daredevil episode and get on out of here. For everybody that has watched the rest of the Netflix Defenders universe years ago and are still listening to us today, I say thank you. I say thank you very much because it took us this long to get to it. And we're having fun closing everything out and we still have two series left, Punisher and Jessica Jones. So we hope you stick with us then in addition to all the great Disney Plus content coming out in 2021.
0: Thanks for everybody who has been patient with us. Yeah, hope now that we're doing a weekly show again we hope that you will stick with us for wandavision and see where everything goes from here thank
2: you to everybody who listens to me rant and you know interacts with us especially on twitter and the the discord
1: until next time we'll recover wandavision i'm director sp
0: i'm agent
2: lauren and i'm agent michelle
1: Michelle, I think this Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. ending is deserved.
2: I do, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Earned. <laughs> See you again next time.
0: Bye! Bye! Bye-bye! Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin MacLeod found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of Shield, or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property
1: of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended.
2: I just got finished watching 200.
1: Was it everything we said it was going to be? Oh,
2: God, and more. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness.
1: I'm glad you enjoyed it.
2: Like, um, if you're you're going to reference something obscure, you know, if you're going to reference something, make it obscure, and they go to Farscape. And I know it's just, like, five seconds, but the fact they got everybody dressed up and everything, and then they did a Star Trek riff. Yep. They referenced the fishing moment, and then...
1: Which comes back later.
2: Yeah, it's just like, I can't, oh my God, I was laughing so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was really good. I still have not finished uh, Clone Wars. I'm in the middle of the, I have two episodes left of Clone Wars.
0: Don't feel too bad. I haven't watched the new episodes yet.
1: Of Clone Wars? Is that what you're talking about? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, you haven't seen any of season seven?
2: Teal, Private Eye. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed.
0: <laughs> I saw the um, the Lost Episodes. I don't remember.
1: Oh, I didn't know there, there were Lost Episodes.
0: That was what they were called, like the episodes that were just about finished when they got canceled.
1: Oh, the Lost Missions?
0: Yeah, that's the one.
1: The Lost Missions comprises the sixth season of Clone Wars.
0: Okay, then yeah, I haven't seen...
1: You haven't seen six or seven. Okay.
0: I've seen six. I have not seen seven. Okay. Seven's good.
1: Yeah, I'm in the middle of the the last two, well, the, lat, the last four, I guess, are all one big thing, part one through four, and apparently they made it into a movie, but I am in between, I haven't seen the last two, so I'm in between two and three, and it's good so far. I did turn on SG-1 in the background as I was doing stuff like making dinner or something like that. That, that was pretty fun to watch, season one. Stuff.
2: oh god
1: it's, it, it, it's a long road especially since the seasons are like 26 episodes 23 26 something like that.
2: it goes pretty quick when you can watch them on 1.5 to two because there are some episodes where oh they're they're running through the forest and fighting again it's like okay <laughs>
1: but running through the same vancouver forest yeah which I didn't realize when I was watching it the first time. I had no idea.
0: (sighs) We're going to try to make an aggressive bid. Try to, you know, not have people do cash offers and probably just buy it to rent it out. Yeah.
2: It's kind of weird because everybody's like, oh, it's a healthy housing market. it's like, well, you can't really, because a lot of people buy stuff so they can just rent it out. So that's not really a good indicator. A better indicator is car sales. Are people actually buying new cars or are they, or are they actually buying used cars? Cuz that makes a difference. That's
1: We had a lady in our office put her house up and she got 6 bids in one day.
0: Yeah, the the first place we bid on had 29 bids in 24 hours. Good lord. Yep. So, um fingers crossed for this one.
1: I didn't hear what's going on.
0: A house came up in the same subdivision that uh, the first house we looked at was in. Okay. So hopefully we're going to take a peek at it tomorrow because it's not quite the same floor plan as the one we looked at previously.
1: Okay. Yeah, that was a nice floor plan with the bonus room and everything.
0: Yeah. It's a little bit smaller, but it's still bigger than what we have right now.
1: Well, oh, good luck on the house.
0: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Is this one going to get 30 bids on it too?
0: Oh, Jesus. I hope not. We've only seen like five houses so far and it's already exhausting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, good luck. I, I really hope because you like the neighborhood. I know that.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I, it's literally two blocks down from where we are now. And we're in a really, really good area, which is why, you know, houses are getting snapped up like that. So fingers crossed because our other option is North Leander, which is way the hell out there. Mm. And I do not want to be, first of all, I don't really like Leander and I don't want to be way the hell out there.
1: Michelle, who wrote this episode?
0: This episode was written by
2: Eric Olson has 14 writing credits starting in 2002, including one episode of Andromeda, two of the agency, 3 Chase, 3 Unforgettable, 4 Episodes of Arrow, 3 of The Man in the High Castle, 3 Daredevil, 1 Carnival Row.
1: All right, we got some very nice shows there as well. I still have to finish The Man in the High Castle, so we'll see how that all runs down. Hold on, guys.
0: So while SP is taking that call, I will say that I need to finish like... 10 shows because I am terrible.
2: Yeah, it's been interesting how much I've been able to watch.
1: That's my sister calling in, by the way. So I don't know why that is still on my iPad. So if it happens again, I don't know what I'm supposed to do because I tried to mute it and it was still coming through. Hmm. Okay.
0: Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.